The Diamondbacks are playing their best baseball down this final stretch of the 2023 season, winning five straight games against the Chicago Cubs and San Francisco Giants to put themselves in the driver's seat for a wild card spot with nine games to go. I'm Michael McDermott, and joining the show today is Arizona Sports Beat writer Alex Weiner. We'll discuss the Diamondbacks' impressive play, Corbin Carroll joining a prestigious power speed club, and how many wins they'll need to secure a playoff spot on today's episode of Snakes on the Diamond. All right, so first topic, we're going to talk about the Diamondbacks' 5-0 and homestand against Chicago and San Francisco. Before the game on Friday, the D-backs had Dustin Pedroia address the team in the clubhouse. And in the pregame media session before the first game, this is what Torrey had to say. You know, at the end of it, I just asked these guys for their 14 best days. And if you, you can commit to giving your 14 best days, um, and at the end of that day, at the end of that 14 days, you say you've done that, then uh, we'll see where it lands. Uh, this, team has been, this team has been resilient. They've grown. They've learned. They've loved. They've laughed. Um, fighting every single day. I like I like those ingredients. So we'll see how it goes. It's gonna be a great run. Great run. So looking at the past five games and covering the entire season, would you say the Dimebacks have played their best five games of the season in their last five? Best five games of the season. That's a good question because not every aspect has been there, right? It's sort of been the offense has looked pretty good over these last five games. The bullpen is at best position it's been in all season long but the starting pitching wasn't there um, but they were able to piece it together anyway because you know with Tori Labello and the staff now it's sort of with, if you're not named Zach Allen or Merrill Kelly and you get through the order a couple of times you're only going to last maybe a hitter or two and in the case of Zach Davies and Ryan Nelson they didn't even get through the two times through the order entirely I don't believe so on one hand it's sort of like yeah the situational awareness and the situational hitting the bullpen, the defense was also terrific, um, but it has been for a lot of the season, except for a couple of lulls in the middle of the pack there. But yeah, I would say overall, the, a lot of what they've done is was probably as good as we've seen it all season, but it's hard to say they've, as a full squad, played the best baseball of the year, given that the starting rotation hasn't quite kind of lived up. But if you have a bullpen that's doing what it's doing, if you have the offense that's doing what it's doing and the defense, it's kind of been able to pull it everything together. Yeah, so looking at how they've done this September, the Diamondbacks are third in Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA at 216. And they have not allowed an earned run since Friday night's game against Chicago. Yeah. And then you look at the starting lineup. Five of the nine starters have an OPS above 800 for the month of September. That's Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Tommy Pham, and Gabriel Moreno as your five. And that's a, that's a pretty good recipe to score for scoring a lot of runs since that's your top three, your six hitter, and your seven hitter. Plus Christian Walker got a couple of hits uh, against the Giants in that last game. Alec Thomas had a couple of big hits in the homestand, even if his overall numbers weren't terrific. So I, I think there's also some offensive upside to be had along with the guys who are already performing. And I think we look at the uh, – in the homestand, they ended up scoring 34 runs in their past five games, so almost seven runs per game. When we talk about the nine-inning uh, nine inning games, they scored 30. The four four runs coming on the Saturday game against Chicago in a back-and-forth extra-inning game. So right now it feels like they're kind of clicking in most phases. Obviously the starting rotation can be better, and they can get more from the lineup. But like 
said if you can get five hitters going in a lineup, you definitely will take that. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, you know, as you know, it's sort of been best case scenario for them over the past week or so, based on what some of the other teams have been doing, what they've been able to do, but for an offense to click the way that it has against, you know, to, to put up six runs against Justin Steele to set the tone for a gigantic three game series against the Chicago Cubs, you know, they got to Alex Cobb and, and ailing Alex Cobb, but they got to him uh, with a few, with I think a four run second inning in that game. Logan Webb pitched pretty well for the most part, but they still tacked on three runs early against him. So, you know, even against some of the best pitchers in the National League, this offense through being sort of uh, resilient and patient, uh, it's 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 been really fun to watch. Uh, it's and and I mean, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Carroll just because of the historical markers that he's been hitting. But man, an unbelievable homestand from him. If you're going to make it to the postseason, you need your best players to be playing well down the stretch, and that's what they've been getting so far. And then you look at uh, the starting rotation. Obviously, the D-backs are going to need Gallon to bounce back. He's struggled in four of his last five, although his one good start, he ended up throwing a complete game shutout. And then you got Merrill Kelly, who, despite a little bit of turbulence early, the Giants kind of got to him a little bit, ended up settling in, and then got the D-backs 104 pitches and pitched himself into the seventh inning. And that's something that's kind of lost in yesterday's game, that Corbin Carroll doing the... Uh, Power the uh, twenty five home run fifty stolen base season, which has only been done eight times before. I mean, eight players before twelve times. I think if people forget uh, Merrill Kelly outdueled Logan Webb yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. Good. He, I mean, you you mentioned it. He gave up uh, the leadoff home run to Lamont Wade, and you know after that, really only a couple of guys got him. I think he retired eighteen of the next twenty batters uh, before he got hit around a little bit in the seventh inning that ultimately let him get pulled, but. Yeah, it was a good bounce back from him after him and Gallon, those tough starts in New York. Um, you know, Gallon comes back and isn't great, but is at least better and kept them in position to win. But for, for Kelly to give them the length that they needed going into an off day, they could recharge the bullpen, they could reset the rotation. I, that was a, a big performance that you're right, probably gets lost just, and, and, you know, rightfully so, given everything else that happened in that game. But yeah, he, he, he stepped up against a really, really good pitcher in Logan Webb. So now we'll talk about the... Historical season that Corbin Carroll's putting up. Carroll, last night, got both his 25th home run and his 50th stolen base, making him the ninth player to do it in the 13th season in MLB history to do so. Some of the other names on that list include Cesar Cedeno and Joe Morgan, the two that founded that 25-50 club in 1973. Ryan Sandberg, the Cubs. Eric Davis is a guy that is a... a big what if he had a really big start to his career, but then injuries not uh, ended um, ended what was a promising career. Ricky Henderson, who's kind of the gold standard for power speed combination, or at least before Barry Bonds came into the picture. Ricky Henderson, and then uh, of course Bonds also on this list because every prestigious baseball list has Barry Bonds on there. Uh, Hanley Ramirez in two thousand seven, and then twice this year, Carroll doing it yesterday, and Ronald Acuna Jr. basically doing it in the first half of the season. So what do you think of that? So what do you think of that list? I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, all the guys you listed off, I mean, a big underrated part of that is that Hanley Ramirez going into this season had been the only player to do so since 1990 when Henderson and Bonds did it. So it had been over 30 years and only one player had accomplished that. And this year we get two Acuna doing it and he's probably on his way towards the National League MVP. And then Corbin Carroll, who's a runaway for the and our rookie of the year and will probably finish with a handful of MVP votes. So uh, it, it's, it's pretty special for 
a young player in his first year. I mean, he's the first rookie on that list to do it. Um, so for somebody of his age with that experience to give the Diamondbacks this after they invested a huge extension in him and kind of projected him as sort of the face of the franchise for the future, for him to respond in this way, it's just, it's got to be such a great feeling in the organization. And um, it's a moment he said he'd be proud of, but one he's probably going to reflect more on after the season because he's pretty locked in right now. How extra important do you, th- how big extra do you think it is considering that it's also coming on the heels of a postseason run as well. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, it's huge for, again, he has never played baseball games in this sort of environment before. Um, you know, he's played big baseball games throughout his life, but like this is going, this is a, for a chance to play in the postseason in Major League Baseball. And, um, you know, Carroll, blazing start up to the All-Star break, a little bit of a rookie lull uh, afterwards, but then for him to find his stride in September when the games matter most and there are most eyes on him and to step up and absolutely dominate a two-game series against the Giants to pretty much eliminate the Giants' chances, not entirely, but to significantly damage the Giants' chances, uh, that says a lot about where he's at as a player, for sure. And uh, actually coming into this year, also another thing, another little bit of historical precedence. There had been four years since a rookie had gotten 60 extra base hits. There have been a couple close calls. Garcia, I think, had a 59 season. But uh, both Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll ended up hitting. I think Henderson got there first earlier this year, and then Carroll got the 60th extra base hit on Tuesday yeah. against San Francisco. Yeah, just doing everything, doing everything that it can. It's, uh, it, it was interesting, too, because it, it was kind of funny. So he, he steals two bases early in the game to get to 50. And it's like, oh, that's the story. It's going to be the first player with you know 50 stolen bases and 20 home runs, the first rookie to do that in a single season. Um, but he's got nine games left. Let's see if he can get to 25-50. And then, of course, in the seventh inning, he just absolutely blasts the ball into the seats in right field. Uh, and so, yeah, didn't have to wait too long for him to accomplish that. So for him to get both in the same game, uh, that was pretty cool to watch for sure. Yeah, and getting both in the same game, it's like, okay, that's what everyone's going to write about now. <laughs> that overrides whatever happens in the game. Because originally I was going to write about how Merrill Kelly outdueled Logan Webb, and then the home run happened. And it's like, well, yeah. everyone's going to be writing about this. I might as well do it as well. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was the story of the, of, the, of the day, of the entire day for baseball pretty much, I would think. Um, I, was saying, I don't remember if anything else popped up. It's so, like, D-backs focused, but... Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a really I mean for an accomplishment like that to be that rare. I mean, you listed off like names and Tori Lavello in the post game presser said he's got his blood boiling to hear some of the names who were on the same list as him. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty special accomplishment for sure. And do you believe Carroll has a chance to be the first player to do it three times in a career? Because there's nobody that's done it more than twice. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Daniel, yeah, I wouldn't see why Daniel not. Did it in his, back-to-back years and I think Eric Davis is the other one that did it in back-to-back years Henderson obviously did it twice as well I forget who else I think there was a fourth player uh that did it twice I don't know why I don't have I have three which confuses me but oh sorry Joe Morgan I can't believe I forgot that yeah. so yeah Jordan and you're talking about and Cesar Cedeno is probably the only one of the four that isn't a hall of famer I mean sorry see Cedeno and Eric Davis obviously aren't the two Hall of Famers in that one. Morgan and Henderson were, I think they were first ballot guys, I believe. I don't know off the top of my head. Henderson, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they both were. I'm sure they both were. That would make all the sense in the world. But 
Um, can Carroll do this two more times? I mean, I don't, I don't really see why not. Uh, so long as he stays healthy, um, he, he's been healthy this year. He's had a couple injury scares, but ultimately he's played and I think he's only missed. I mean, he's missed like less than seven games this season. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so to be in the lineup every day, he's, it seems like the stolen bases. I mean, as long as sort of the field now looks the way it is, uh, his skill set with the new rules and how he's been able to take advantage. Um, I think the stolen bases are certainly going to be there uh, for him, at least, you know, while he's young, he's only 22. I mean, how many stolen bases do you project him to get per year by the time he turns 28? Uh, and the power, you know, his ability to go the other way with it and generate power to all fields, that's going to help him too, because it's not just him yanking balls down the right field line, but he can get them over the left field wall. He can hit it, you know, over the line at chase field and center field. So I think his uh, kind of advanced approach to hitting to all fields and the power he's shown as a rookie, um, I, 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 I don't see why not uh, unless something, you know, unforeseen happens with him, why he couldn't get it to three times or four times potentially. And then looking kind of at the players in today's league, in addition to uh, Acuna, who's already done it this year, is there any other players on your radar that could pull off a 25-50 season in your mind? I mean, Shohei, probably. Uh, he's got to get to. He's got to be healthy to hit 50 home runs. But he'll only hit. He'll be hitting all year next year. There'll be no pitch. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, and, and you know, it's got to be some sort of competitive kind of boiling up in there that he can't pitch. So he's got to do everything he can on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and I imagine a huge year coming from him. So I, I, Shohei is the first guy who immediately pops into my mind. Um, oh man, I'm not sure. What do you think? I would say you look at Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean in Cincinnati. They'll certainly hit the home runs given the ballpark is very home run friendly, but both uh, De La Cruz is a guy I think could put up 50 stolen bases. McLean might put capable of 30-30, although 25-50 might be a little bit more difficult for him. Yeah. But. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Let's show how it's like uh, 50, a 50-25 season, I guess, is much more, much more likely than a 25-50 season. Maybe a because then it's more like a 40 50 kind of season. So I guess 50 stolen bases is so much, but um, I don't know. Uh, with De La Cruz, I think you're right. He could definitely get there. There's definitely some advancements he's going to have to make in his approach, uh, especially just given all the swing and miss that he's had. Uh, Matt McClain's an interesting one. That's I, I, 50 stolen bases for Matt McClain. You think he can get there? You'd have to. Ha I think McLean could do it, but it would probably be he'd probably only do it once, kind of thing. It would have to have a year yeah. where. Uh, you have to have a year where he gets a lot of maybe a lot of singles and more walks as opposed to doubles and triples, home runs, and it's definitely going to be tough. It's going to be tougher to hit more singles when your home ballpark is, uh, home. Uh, basically, I forget if a uh, Great American Ballpark inflates home runs the most in the National League. I could be wrong. On that one, we'll check this. More thing. than Coors? Actually, I don't think Coors inflates home runs as much as you think. Oh. It definitely inflates everything else. Oh, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. That would be that. Oh yeah, I, that's, that's. I just remembered him. That's my pick. That's my pick. Bobby Witt Jr. is definitely my pick because he's already got I think 48, 47, 48 stolen bases this year. Um, he's a guy who make, can maybe do it multiple times. I think throughout his career. I think that could be an average year for him. An average here for him with twenty five fifty. Yeah, same with Carroll. It's like 
Yeah, he's only he's already at forty. Yeah, he's already at forty eight, and he's gonna have a fifth. He's on pace for a thirty fifty season. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, he stands out definitely, and and maybe Julio Rodriguez too. I I don't know if he gets fifty stolen bases, but I think yeah, he certainly could. He's he's still at twenty two. So, uh, I would say yeah, I would I would probably go Bobby Witt Jr. one. And then maybe Julio Rodriguez and Shohei would probably be my be my three guesses. Yeah, those are pretty good guesses, I would say. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not sure if Rodriguez is going to have a 40-40 season. I definitely think he'll have a 40-homer season. I'm not sure about 40 steals in the same season. He's got 36 now. Yeah, he's the only, and, and then Wit, Wit in a good year could put up a 40-40 season. Same with Rodriguez. Of course, Acuna is only one home run away from doing it himself. Yeah, man, the season by Acuna, man, it's it's been every single like every other day. It's been like, oh, he's did this for the first time since in fifty years. He's done this, or he's been the first person to do this. I mean, it's been just unbelievable to watch, um, kind of from afar, the accolades he continues to rack up. And yeah, maybe he's a guy who, like Corbin, can do this over and over again potentially with twenty five fifty. It's going to be a good MVP race in the National League if if it's those two guys. If Mookie Betts continues to ball out like he's been balling out this year. Um, just over the next five years, it's it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I was going to say the MVP race is definitely going to be interesting because if you look at Betts' MVP case, um, Betts leads the leads Major League Baseball and wins above replacement on Baseball Reference at eight point one, and I think he's been more. And you can argue the valuable standpoint: the Dodgers have had injuries on the infield that Betts has been able to fill up defensively. So he's and that's helped the Dodgers maintain their 100 win pace on another season. So I think there is a little bit of narrative driven. I think there is still a strong narrative behind bets winning the MVP. Whereas uh, Acuna has the numbers and then Braves have the best record in baseball kind of thing. Although I don't know if Baltimore has caught up to them yet and check the standings. Not yet. I think they're, I think they're close, but I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't know. I think the narrative favors Acuna. Like it sort of just seems like his year based on the amount of home runs and the amount of stolen bases he's had, some of the moments he's had. I mean, the 121-mile-an-hour home run against the Dodgers when they kind of went into Dodger Stadium and crushed the Dodgers. They're going to be the number one seed. Um, I don't know. I, I think the narrative pulls towards Acuna of winning this MVP. But I, I think if it goes to either player, it's deserved. It. I mean, it's both of those guys have had unbelievable seasons, and Freeman and Olsen will be right behind them. But, yeah, I don't know. If I had to put you know anything down on it, I, I'm probably rocking with Acuna. I would say Acuna and Betts is one and two. And the question is whose preference and whose preference at one. And that's going to determine the first place votes is going to determine the MVP vote. Mm-hmm. Not so much with the Cy Young award. I think with the Cy Young award, it's at this point, it's Blake Snell's to lose. Question is how many first place votes is he going to get? And the fewer he gets, that's when the down ballot votes come into play. I would say. Right. With him, it's just innings. Cause the ERA is the lowest. He's had some huge performances. I mean, he helped his case with the seven no-hit innings the other day. Um, but, like, I don't know. Webb has got him beat by 35 innings, something like that, around there. So be- it's sort of the balance. But I, I can imagine Snell's the heavy favorite at this point, especially Steele has struggled his last couple of outings. Yep, Steele has allowed 12 runs in his last two starts, six to Arizona and six to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And his start against Pittsburgh only lasted three instead of going six. Another big starts too. So for that to happen to him, I think that kind of almost knocks him out 
entirely. Maybe he bounces back and has another outstanding start that helps his case a little bit. But uh, yeah, right now it looks like a runaway. Yeah, I would say Snell has to have one of those starts where he gives up six runs in three innings. It would have to be close enough. And honestly, if Snell fell, uh, Snell, I can't get this right. If Snell (laughs) falls back, falls back. In the uh, National League race, I think a guy like Logan Webb could surge at the end because of the innings and the fact that he's consistently done, uh, he's consistent at what he does. You can, uh, you can play perfect baseball against the innings. He'll still find a way to get a quality start at the end. Yeah, yeah and I think Webb isn't talked about much in the Cy Young race because he doesn't have, because he has a good, he doesn't have a sub three ERA, doesn't have a huge strikeout rate. But he just, but he's, but he is what he is. He gets lots, of, he gets a lot of ground balls, eats up innings, and typically he gives his chance to team to win his team a chance to win. Although they haven't been doing it that much, they don't do it with him on the mound very much. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, uh, aren't they below five hundred in his starts or something, or close to five hundred in his starts? I don't know the number off the top of my head, but um, his personal record is ten and thirteen. Yeah. Logan Webb kind of reminds me a little bit of a former Dimeback pitcher with the same namesake as well. We always lead the league in innings. Yeah. Oh, Webb does. They're 14 and 18 when he starts games. So that's it. They, they, owe, they owe him. Or I think the Giants owe him an apology for that, given when he's given them this season. But, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. And then, uh, his career high in wins is actually 15 from last year. I would have thought it would have been 21 or in 2021. It was 11-3 that season. Yeah. All right, so looking at the last nine games, the Diamondbacks will be traveling to the East Coast to play the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium. That's going to be a very interesting series. It's not That could go pretty much it has a lot of variance, and they go to Chicago to play the White Sox. And Chicago is a tough read because you don't know. Uh, they have a very talented lineup, but they just haven't been able to win with it the last couple of years. And then they finished off against Houston, who is fighting for their playoff lies as the AL West is basically indeterminable. It could come down to game 162. Division. Yeah, yeah. It's quite possible we see the Dimebacks clinch a postseason spot before Houston. <laughs> if they do. That would be wild, wouldn't it? I mean... Houston's an 85 win team right now, but you're right. It's it's they're half a game up on the Mariners and half a game up on the Rangers and the Mariners play the Rangers and then the Astros and then the Rangers and then the Astros, you know, they play the Mariners again. They play the Diamondbacks to end the season. So it's, you know, for the Diamondbacks sake, you know, you'd hope that, you know, some, I don't know, the Rangers and Mariners kind of split their games and the Astros just go on this huge run, maybe sweep the Mariners, clinch division before that series but it doesn't look like that's likely to happen so yeah if you're the Diamondbacks winning five out of six at least four to six on this road trip against the Yankees and the White Sox to put yourself in the best possible position to face an Astros team at full force gunning for their playoff lives that's kind of what you have to do uh, at this point so it's it's gonna be fascinating when it comes down to it but yeah you could be in a situation on game 161 where Houston's magic number is one and Arizona's magic number is one uh, and sort of best on best situation. And I don't know who would be lined up for Houston in that case, but it may be Merrill Kelly pitching for the Diamondbacks playoff lives, which 
is you know as exciting as it would get down the stretch. Yeah, it's like given the two choices, given between Gal and Kelly, if I feel more comfortable with Kelly on the mound because I because he has that 200 inning, you don't have to worry about the uh, possible stamina issues like he might be with Gallon with Gallon sputtering a little bit to the end. Be interesting to see if he can bounce back in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Just for I mean, sake. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a tough stretch for Gallon, and I know he's been trying to figure out sort of how to turn the ship. Uh, I think Mike Hazen said on the radio he's just not worried about what Gallon shown at all. So I don't know. It, it's interesting because you're right. He's, he hasn't pitched this many innings in a season before. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's not like they're pitching him on short rest or anything like that. They've kind of maneuvered their rotation to get him and Kelly the most starts possible. Totally started yet. Now that they have these off days to work with, because they had 17 games in 17 days, you know, just running through the rotation as it would have been. But now, you know, when they have an opportunity to give him an extra day off, that's not kind of in the cards because they're trying to get the best out of that they can on the mound. And that means getting Gallon and Kelly on there as much as possible. So they'll, they're both lined up for two more starts each. Um, you know, that they, they need two good starts out of them um, if, if they're going to get this far. Yeah, looking at the Dimebacks magic number, since you referenced it earlier, the Dimebacks magic number, it won't show up on the uh, standings, but their magic number is eight over both the Cubs and the Marlins. If the yeah. Cubs if the Cubs lose, the Dimebacks wildcard lead for the second spot would be two games. Although it doesn't really affect everything since we're pretty much looking at losses. So the Dimebacks would be two losses ahead of everybody else in the stand standings with nine to go. So it's just a matter of, I guess you could say, avoiding... Avoiding a bad series down the rest of the way, would you say that would be the case, just avoiding that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if the Cubs lose against the Pirates uh, today on Thursday, I believe they play like one more game today. Um, yep. If they lose, wouldn't, there, wouldn't, wouldn't Arizona's – yeah, their magic number would go down to seven, wouldn't it? No, the Marlins because... would still be at eight. No, because they're two games. Oh, no, that's right. They're two games up on the Marlins, so they would need Marlins the, have yeah, tiebreaker. Correct. So, yeah, they can't avoid. They can't have a series like they did against the Mets. That no. that can't. Have, they can't go to New York and lose two out of three, and then kind of come out of that road trip with a three and three record, and then kind of be tied with the Marlins if that's the case. Um, then you're putting a ton of pressure on yourself to go out and sweep the Astros or went two out of three against an Astros team that might be fighting. So uh, yeah, this is a critical weekend. It's, it's not, you know, them playing the giants, them playing the Cubs, these series we've hyped up as, you know, you know, potential pre-playoff games where you're going up against teams you're directly competing against, but you have to take care of business. If, if you want to make the playoffs, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. That's how you get to the playoffs. Um, they didn't do it against the Mets, but they've had some weird like voodoo something at city field where they can't win games at city field. Now they go to the Bronx, then they'll go to guaranteed rate, and that's they gotta they gotta win. They gotta win these series. Yep. Well, the, the Mets series is also said by the fact they ended up sweeping both Chicago and the Giants back to back. Yeah. It too. So they ended it ended up being a, a blip more so than a big concern. I would say. But yeah, they can't have another series like New York, otherwise they're gonna need some help to get in. And if you look at the uh remaining schedule, I think the Reds have two series in the division um 
one against the Pirates, one against the Cardinals. And as a cu- last week told, showed us, don't sleep on the Cardinals rolling over to the Reds. It's not an easy series. Because the Cardinals took two or three. It's true, um, but I, I think th- they put Wilson Contreras on the I.L., so now they lose one of their bigger bats and it's kind of dwindling down. It's the last series of the season in which they're already out. So maybe they won't roll over, but at the same time, you, you don't want to be in a situation where you're counting on other teams, uh, especially with how hot the Marlins have been um, in some of these series. And, you know, the Reds have the easier schedule because they don't play another playoff team. Um, so, yeah, you just got to take care of business when you can. Yeah, and then I believe Miami gets to play Milwaukee. That's going to be a big series. Could also be a playoff preview between the two teams. They split the series when Miami traveled to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee. I'm sorry, the Marlins are. Uh, the Marlins just lost Jake Berger, but they're gonna. But Sandy Alcantara could come back soon. He was already. He's I think slated to do a rehab start tonight, so it's gonna be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I mean, Luis Arise got banged up the other day too. I'm not. I haven't seen anything new on him. I know he didn't play yesterday. Uh, I think he's just, considered day-to-day. Yeah, just tough timing, I mean, for a team that had been playing really, really well um, to lose Berger and Arise while also Alcantara is down. I mean, that's 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 a tough obstacle to have to overcome. Um, they lost Soler for a bit, but he's come back and uh, hitting balls over foul poles that are called foul. Um, so <laughs> they've been getting that power surge back. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that was no, a- that was, that was a big shot. reverse. That was a big reversal because it was a close game, and then the Mets ended up going on to uh, blow out Miami in that game. Afterwards, yeah, that ended up being a big call yesterday. Uh, but basically, yeah, the Diamondbacks should not expect any help going the rest of the way. Take care of business in New York, and like I said, the Yankees, as Jack told me on uh, Sunday, it's much more. It may be easier to face a team that is. Just gotten out of the wild, uh, out of the playoff picture, and is reeling from that. Although I don't think the Yankees have been in the playoff picture for over a month, so I don't, I wouldn't put them in that group. I would put them in the group of teams that have a bunch of young players that are trying to prove themselves on the field, so they can be very dangerous. Although they did lose their top prospect, uh, Dominguez, to Tommy John surgery, so he'll be missing most of twenty four, I believe, as well as the rest of the season. Yeah, and a big deal with that Yankee series is they're going to miss Cole. They're, they're not going to face Garrett Cole. Um, they get Luke Weaver, funny enough. They're going to see him on a different team than they saw him last time. Uh, they're going to get Carlos Rodon, and they're going to get Clark Schmidt. At least that's who's lined up right now. So to avoid Garrett Cole in the series that you need to win, uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Although sometimes when you think about it that way, you end up not scoring runs against Luke Weaver. Whereas you're <laughs> well, they're, they're, they shouldn't think about it that way, but that's how I'm thinking about it. That's good that they're not going to face Garrett Cole. But you're right. Yeah, maybe Luke. I mean, Luke Weaver pitched fairly well against them last time he pitched against them. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, it ended up being a huge game. Ended up being a huge game in the grand scheme of things, since that's the difference between D backs having a tiebreaker over the Reds and not. Yeah. All right, I have. Run out of topics. Usually it takes 50 minutes to go through this many with the. Uh... Right, so anything else you want to do? Try and go through right now? Or do you think we're good? Uh, not really. I mean, we can brush on the pitching staff because how they're going to handle it. Because they got Brandon Fott going Friday and then 
TBA, TBA. You can imagine one of those TBAs will be Zach Gallon at the end of the series. And so who do you feel more comfortable with in a must-win game, quote-unquote, uh, for Ryan Nelson or Zach Davies? I feel like if, if Davies comes out well, you're going to get three to four solid innings. And then what you like the Chicago game, once he gets into a little bit of trouble, then you go to the bullpen. Yeah. Bring in a guy to finish the inning, and then you maybe go to Bryce Jarvis to eat up three or four innings, especially if it's a game where they have a huge lead. Yeah, it's not going to be a deal where he goes through the lineup more than twice. He's going to get 18 batters, uh, and that would be it. Plus, plus you get Zach Davies. Uh, you avoid Ryan Nelson pitching at Yankee Stadium. I think, you know, with the home runs, that's probably ideal at that point. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, you're not going to see Davies fought um, facing Aaron Judge a third time in a close ball game either. It's yeah, no, they... Playing. Yeah, Lavelle has been pretty clear as far as sort of the game plan when it's not Gallon or Kelly, where it's two times to the order and then the bullpen, which has been tremendous um, for them throughout September and especially over this last stretch. Um, And they just have a lot of options out there, different matchups right now. I mean, Andrew Salfrank and Ryan Thompson joining the group has added a ton. And obviously, I'm sure sure you guys have talked about Paul Stewald a lot, just how, you know, adding a closer kind of, you know, works, you can kind of work backwards from there with Ginkle in the eighth inning and then kind of mix and match what you do from there. So yeah, they, they, they have, a, they're much more equipped to deal with short starts now than they were. And that's how they're going to have to live. And then also Luis Frias emerging as a potential middle yeah. ending arm as well. And Mantiply has been better than he was earlier in the season. I don't think Miguel Castro has given up a run this month. No, he hasn't. Neither yeah, is Ryan Thompson. August, August 27th. I think is the last time he gave up a run, an earned run. Yeah, so, like Cash is one of those guys that you plug in the sixth inning with nobody on base. It's like, okay, you're probably more likely, you're probably going to get a one, two, three inning. It's just, yeah. it didn't work out when they tried to put him in a big role. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's done exactly what they needed him to do. Um, and, and, and you're right with some of the other guys. I mean, everybody's pretty much filled in their roles really nicely. Um, not a ton of swing and miss, but we'll see how long this lasts, but it, you know, they last the rest of the season, then they're going to be in great shape. Yeah, because if you look at Castro's numbers, the 455 ERA doesn't look great. But considering the fact that Castro has thrown scoreless appearances in 57 of 71, you have to, you have to admit he's actually d- done decently well when they've put him in a situation where he can perform. Yeah, he's had a few blowups, which have really hurt. I mean, it seems like he doesn't give up one run. He gives up three runs, or he pitches a one-two-three inning. And more yeah, more times than not, it'll be a one-two-three inning. But yeah, there's a nine reason. Of the fourteen, nine of the fourteen games he gave up a run, he gave up two plus. It's remarkable, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, the definition really of salmon. Yep, I believe uh, Fernando Rodney was that way as well. In 17. Kind of like the same way that Seawall was kind of effective closure in the same way that Seawall has been this year. It's like, it's not pretty. It's never, it's never going to be a clean. It's rarely ever going to be a clean inning, but at the end of the day, the save goes up on the board. The final out is recorded and the save goes up on the board. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, click the subscribe button, leave a like, turn on the notification bell and comment down below. How you think this Yankee series is going to go? Also, make sure to check out Alex's podcast, Ain't No Fang, on the Arizona Sports Channel. 
YouTube channel as well. I believe. Um, when is uh, when is your next episode coming out? I believe tomorrow on Friday before their uh, series starts against the Yankees. So yeah, on the Arizona Sports app or on YouTube. 